Welcome to the Science of Sports Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Jace Kraft, and today I'm chatting with one of the best in the world when it comes to obstacle course racing. In fact, she was ranked number one in the world in 2016 and has a top three finish of the Spartan World Championships, all while being entrepreneur and coaching others in their journey of running and OCR. I'm very excited to get into this conversation. <laughs> You're listening to the Science of Sports Recovery Podcast. Each week, we explore how to recover more efficiently from training so you can work out harder and realize your full potential. This is the Science of Sports Recovery Podcast. Hey, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Awesome. So I, I want to start with just uh, like your overall view on athletics and, and sports, because I know it's obviously important to you and in, in your life being, you know, a professional athlete. So like, when did that love start? Was it always there? Or was it something that you're like, hey, I'm just good at this and let's keep doing it? Yeah, I was like totally like forced into sports <laughs> at like a young age. I had like severe ADD and I was just like bad. And my parents were like, we got to like put this girl into something to like get rid of some of her energy. And so she can like sit in class and like focus. Yeah. So, you know, and then I just like, I, I was like a, pretty instantly, like I had my gym teacher, like tell my parents, like, um, she like can run. We would do these like warm up jogs mm-hmm. before our gym class. It was like a lap around the, uh, the school it was like 600 meters. And like, I just like instantly was like, well, I'm obviously going to run this 600 meters as fast as I can. Like, I just was so competitive. Like I yeah. just beat all the boys. So they kind of like my gym teacher, like literally like called my parents and were like, this girl's like a freak. Like, you need to get <laughs> and then I just sort of stayed in track. Cause I was like, I was like the first thing I was good at. I was so bad at all these other sports. I was so bad at school and I was kind of going down a a path like not maybe not so much a good path you know I had all these friends that were starting to get into drinking and drugs and da 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 and I could have like easily seen myself swing that way um because if anyone knows me I like love to have a good time (laughs) so like sports like kind of put me on this like straight arrow path and then my whole goal became to trying to get um into school into an American school and get a scholarship so I mean, I hate to say like sports saved me, but my life would have been so different if it wasn't for that gym teacher, like really seeing talent in me and putting me down this path. So so what, what about like sports kept you from going down that path? Was it just because you had practice in the morning and you couldn't, you know, stay out or did you get introduced to a new group of people or what was kind of. Yeah. Like both of those things kind of nailed it, you know, in the head there, like it was, I was so competitive that, you know, I just, I cared so much about beating people and winning and doing my best. So yeah, I was like, I got it. You know, I I was smart enough to know that like, I got to eat healthy. I got to go to bed early. Alcohol is not good for you. Staying up late is not good for you. And so, and then um, because I was just kind of like involved in this, I went from like the party friends to like the like no offense but they're kind of dorky cross-country team pretty quick so oh, my, yeah. whole, <laughs> my whole friend circle changed and um you know that's where I met I became close friends with my current business partner mm-hmm. and I just 
I just turned into like a different person. I just, I loved, um, I loved that I was finally good at something. I think I kind of, it was hard, like struggling in school. And I had like reading problems. Like I could, I was like reading comprehension was hard. And I just felt so like, oh, I can't do anything. And then all of a sudden I'm just like kicking everyone's ass on the track. It felt yeah. so good. I just got addicted to, to winning and the praise that I was mm-hmm. getting from it. And I just, I like, that's all I cared about at yeah. that point. Um, cross-country folk can be pretty dorky. <laughs> I know, it's so dorky. So when, when you like, when you started into that crowd, then was it kind of uh, a culture shift or shock for you then? If like you were hanging out with these other kids or were you young enough at that point where you're just kind of in both for a while? Yeah, no, I, I kind of just shifted over my parents and specifically like my mom was like, they were so like, look, Faye, you want to go to university. Like your grades aren't that good. Like you're good at this. Like you can get a scholarship. Like they really like, I didn't have a choice. I needed to be good. Like my mom was like, she would like highlight on the heat sheets before a track meet, like all the girls that like had times Mm -hmm. that were like a little faster than me. These are the girls you're going for. And yeah, I, I just felt, I did feel a lot of pressure to perform. And so I just didn't have a choice. Like it was sure. like, I was getting picked up by my mom after school every single day and get driven to the track. And like, mm. I was just on this regimented routine. I was, I was even swimming at one point in the mornings at like five thirty-five in the morning, we had to be on the swim deck. So I was just, I don't know how I did it. Like I was way busier then than I am now and yeah. still really busy now. I just was this robot. And I think that's where I developed this, this work ethic. And yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think, I mean, I have to, you know, give it a bit to my parents. Like they, <laughs> they yeah. really knew what to say to freak me out. And I was like, Oh shit, <laughs> I got to smarten up. Yeah. Um, so at, at that point, like with, with the pressure and, you know, your, your parents really pushing you, was it something that like you, still liked and were were doing or was it like you were just doing it because your parents said you had to and you're like this is the only way I can get to college no like I liked it um until I started not doing as well as I thought like I was on trajectory to make the Olympics like in 2008 Mm. um like I like, and as I got older, and what I mean by that is like the times that I ran when I was like 15, 16, 17, like I was kind of all, like, they were incredible. Like I was, I mean, I was first in the country for a bit until Jessica O'Connell, my business partner showed up. And then all of a sudden, like she started beating me and I was like bumped down, but I was, that was kind of the path. Like I remember having a conversation with my track coach, like, and he, you know, tell my parents, like she really could make the Olympics. But, and then as I got into university, a whole whack of distractions, <laughs> you know, came into that mm. scene. And I just wanted to do everything. Like I just wanted to be the life of the party. I wanted to do well at track. I still like found school challenging. So I think I had to like work twice as hard as everyone mm. to get like 75%, you know? Yeah. And so then I started to hate it just because I wasn't doing, I wasn't the star anymore in university that I was in sure. high school. And then I just started to just, I started to get really, really angry because I saw times that I couldn't run in university that I could easily run in high school. And that's kind of what really put me off the sport. 
um, for for a while. It still does put me off the sport. Like I'm in New York. People are crazy about running here. They're like, Faye, why don't you run this race or run this road race? I was like, no, they're like, why? I'm like, because I don't want to see I'm the same time that I ran when I was 15, 60. Now I'm 31. And I run that same time. Like Mm -hmm. I totally have plateaued um, in my running and luckily it's a high enough threshold that I still can (laughs) win races with that speed that I had when I was like a child. But Um, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I mean, I, in my college career, I got to the 410 mile threshold and then I never got faster in my last three years of college. And that was rough. I mean, you get to that point where like, I just want a PR. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, like, I just want a I PR and you're, you're doing you, all this work. And I know, I know it's tough. It's tough. And like some people I think just have like, like a critical speed that like, mm-hmm. like, like a peak that this is like as fast as their their body can go for numerous reasons like you know like I think everyone has a peaking speed and you hit it when you're 15 or you hit it when you're 40 it's you hit it (laughs) so yeah do you think like because you mentioned when you went to college you you were involved in a lot and uh you know going to parties and and that kind of stuff and and when I uh, I I see like the number one thing of where people don't improve in colleges because there's so many distractions and they try to do too much outside of running. Yeah. Do you think that you could have improved if you were able to stay like focused um, on just, you know, kind of that same regimen as you did in high school? Or do you think that that was your peak no matter what? Oh no, I definitely think I couldn't, could have improved. And, and that's, I think just like a question about like life in general, it's like, you could be good at really anything if you pour every mm-hmm. ounce of energy into that and like let the rest of your life fall apart and just focus yeah. on that one thing. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, is it really worth the, are you really getting a return on investment from exactly. just focusing on that one thing? And I think a lot of times, like the answer is no, like, I don't think I would have proved enough to have made the Olympics like Jessica mm. did. I think I always would have fallen short on that. So um, I mean, and you can't take away those experiences. I mean, the, I'm in New York City right now. And mm-hmm. the guy that I met that I moved here for was the was the bartender, actually the bar manager at our university bar. So like, you know, because I was out at the bar, I fell in love. I met this amazing guy. I moved to New York City. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, I would never take back that experience. For and sure. that wouldn't have happened if I was just <laughs> in bed at 8 p.m. every night thinking about my tempo run the next day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like yeah. the way I did it. But definitely, yeah, I definitely say I probably cost me a good, I would say, I don't know, 20 seconds in the two mile race. Mm-hmm. Which is significant at that. Um, and I totally just made that number up. But yeah, um, no, that's a good point. I mean, there's obviously a balance with athletics because, you know, your sport can consume you. but you have to have a life outside of that. Otherwise then your moods are totally just like dictated by the workout or the race or, you know, how your season's going. Um, And I know you being an entrepreneur, like there's, you have kind of two competitions because business is kind of a competition and then you have your competition there. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more how you balance all that, but uh, let's get into kind of your OCR uh, career now so you you kind of went through college when did you like re did, well discover for one like the Spartan races that you're so good at now 
Yeah, I remember um, one of my like ex-boyfriends, he really wanted to run one of these obstacle races. Mm -hmm. He knew I was a good runner. And I think it was just like, we were new dating. We kind of wanted to find something that we could do together. And um, he was a really healthy guy. And so he was really important to him that we just didn't drink our faces off on weekends. So he like made us enter this like um, race. It was in Red Deer. Um, so a race in Canada it was a Spartan race. Mm-hmm. And like, um, I can't, we probably knowing me, we probably decided to like run it together. And then I probably took off because I just, that's just what I do. And, uh, yeah, I ended up winning by like 20 minutes or something like outrageous. And I was like, everyone's like, wow, like I was getting all this praise, but it was so easy for me to win that I was like, this is stupid. I was like, there are not, there's no real athletes here. Like, this is just silly. Um, but then what happened is um, I found out that there's like these bigger races in the States. And so me and um, him like went to Vegas or something and I ended up like coming fifth. And I was like, but ever, but I was like in the mix of the top three and then probably failed the spear or something. And yeah. so then I got like a lot of like people, like the guy who ran the pro team at the time was like, oh my God, you're so good. Did you know that there's pros? And I met Rose Wetzel and Bear. I don't know Matt Novakovich and Rose Wetzel they're like the OGs of Spartan racing I met them and they were like you know we make money doing this and I mean I just thought they were like crazy but it, yeah <laughs> I, I was so mad about that fifth place um and I just came back and just start, started like beating all those like big name girls and then eventually got signed on the pro team in 2016. Mm. Mm-hmm. So did you have any um, wins then be like in big events in 2015 or was most of your career then starting in 2016? Yeah, most of like, I was like, I think in 2014 or 2015, I, I was placing top 10 at Worlds. Like, I think it was like ninth or something. Like yeah. I was up there, but nothing like that big. 2016 sure. was like the year I was like third at Worlds and like second in this ch- series. So um, yeah, things really kicked off in, in 2016. And then from that 2016 year, um, I had gotten like all these crazy contracts, like bigger contracts that I think than like anyone has like to this day. I had like from third party sponsors, mm-hmm. I actually made enough money, like through all those contracts that I actually like, I had a great job in oil and gas um, in, in Calgary. I actually could make, was mm-hmm. making like pretty much the same money just wow. to putting together all these little deals and I actually quit my job <laughs> and then here we are <laughs> yeah I started, then I started a business so um it was it's funny how things like change your life like a couple deals and you're able to take a, a larger risk and then because you took that larger risk you're you find yourself your life just taking a totally different turn, yeah so. for sure why do you think you were able to secure some of those bigger contracts when others couldn't or didn't um because um, I'm someone who I'm always like, um, I always ask for things, even if like, I always am just like, oh, I might, might as well ask or like, might as well like put yourself out there and like mm-hmm. see what happens. Um, and like, I, I do like, I come from like, my sister's like an uber genius. She's like an attorney in California. Sure. And like, she was like, you know, look at these contracts and she kind of like, you know, negotiated them for me. And oh, nice. she's pretty badass. So she got like, <laughs> she got like a few more dollars on those contracts. And um, yeah, I guess I was just 
I mean, I don't know. I still don't know why those companies signed those contracts. It seems like a lot of money. I'm like, they definitely, I don't think we're getting a return on investment on their, uh, I hope no <laughs> potential sponsors are listening to this podcast. I know. <laughs> but no, it's like, it's funny. Um, yeah. I think this is a combination of like good, good results. I think I'm like a fairly marketable person mm. and I've just got like the right people in my life um, from like the business side of things. Sure to help me out. Um, I'm the kind of person that like, I'm just very resourceful. I always like, I have like a team behind everything I do. And I just like know who to call for what. And yeah. I'm lucky that people like to help me out. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. So let, let's talk about like from your career, 2016 to now, um, kind of hitting the highlights, 2016, you were ranked at one point, number one in the world. Uh, when, when was that? Like how, how did you get that ranking? And then how did you do at Worlds that year? Yeah. Um, so I, it was like Lindsay and I all year in the championship series, very similar to how it's Lindsay and Nicole right now. Um, yeah, I was, I was still working um, full time. Um, and I just would, I mean, I would train twice a day, either in the morning or after work or at lunch hour, after work or in the morning at lunch hour, just depending on meetings and stuff with work. Mm. And I was just like uber efficient with my time. Like I would like have my bucket, like, cause the one event that destroyed me um, in previous years was like the, the carries. Like mm. I was, I just wasn't strong. Like I, I was like a runner. And then like the only thing I would do in the weight room was like stuff to make my arms look good. <laughs> so like, so like I, I just like having load, like heavy load, like on my, like on my trunk, like mm -hmm. carrying it or on our spine loaded and all that was like, just not comfortable for me. So anyways, I honestly, like it was, I was smart enough to realize like I can do everything except for the carries. So I would at the lunch hour, um, at my office, I used to go and I used to walk up a hill on, um, on the treadmill with this bucket. And it was so embarrassing because like, I mean, then like moments later, I'm like in a suit and like at a meeting with the engineers and they're like, did we just see you at the gym with that bucket? Like, what's the bucket? And it was kind of embarrassing, but I just was so determined to like yeah. beat everyone that I just like did these silly things. Um, and then, and yeah, and yeah, so I just, I just trained around working hours like a lot of people do. And mm -hmm. um, I just sort of made it happen. Um, I must say, like, I'm so glad that I have more flexibility with my job that I do now, um, because it's tough. Like it's, if you want to be really good at this sport, if you have a full-time job, like a traditional where you're in an office and, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's a challenge for sure. For Don't sure. Miss that. <laughs> so, um, from 2016, um, till, till now, what are like your top three, uh, athletic accomplishments that you're most proud of? Um, I would say like, I would say like overall, just like consistency, like from 2016 to now I've placed, I've alternated second, fifth, second, fifth, second, fifth in the, um, U S championship series. Mm. Um, I've been fourth at North Americans like twice. I've been third at world championships. So, um, I wouldn't say like, I've had any races that are like, I've like won like a huge race, you know? Yeah. But I've always been like, I don't know, I can consistently say like, I'm like top four in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah. that and over so many years. So 
I think I'm, I'm most proud of just that. Yeah. And for anybody listening that doesn't know like what the U.S. series is, it's a, a series of five races, correct? Or six? Yeah, five. Yeah. Five races throughout the year um, that vary in distances, all Spartan races. Um, and then you get points for placing in there and then they add up at, at the end um, mm-hmm. is what you place there. So, um, but yeah, consistency is definitely like something that all athletes strive to. How are you able to stay so consistent? I mean, without like getting hurt or getting injured, because that's like the biggest key is consistent training, consistent results. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. Is it's it's injury prevention. It is like the reason that Nicole wasn't beating me before she started beating me was because she'd had this hip injury. Mm-hmm. You know, the the reason like. Rebecca hasn't been in this series, even though she plays second at worlds, like is because of injuries. Like it's, it's just a, it's like a, I always say it's like a war of attrition, this sport. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm just like really, really bulletproof. Um, and I think it's because I do very smart strength training. If you need help, you guys should contact me at gritcoaching.net. No, but I, I think I don't definitely don't think it's all that, but I do think I have like a good team, um, in terms of like Jessica and I, I do think we're, we're very smart. We know what we're doing with training. And I I just think I'm, I'm like a really strong runner. I've also, I'm genetically obviously pre like I have some genetic gifts when it comes to running. So I do Mm -hmm. think my body is made to run. Even if you just look at the way my hips and legs are designed, I look, I look like a runner. Um, And so I think there's some genetics in it, but I also think it's just proper training. I see a lot of people overtraining mm-hmm. in the sport and, um, I, I do occasionally overtrain, but every year I like that incident of overtraining is less yeah. and less because I've learned from it. So, yeah, yeah so, I think, oh, I think injury prevention for consistency, you got to stay healthy mm-hmm. to train consistent. You got to yeah. train consistent to race consistent. So, yeah. And a lot of injury prevention comes in the, the weight room or the strength training, portion of it I believe so like what do you obviously you coach other athletes too but like how do you how do you approach strength training from and like with the injury prevention in in mind yeah like um I think like a big thing is like understanding that you not only need to be strong but you need to like know how to like turn on your muscles as well so Mm like activation exercises versus strength exercises. Those sure. are like two different things. And you see so many runners, they're like doing all this, this band work and activation exercises, but they don't like lift heavy weights. And then you see so many gym rats that lift heavy weights, but then they're not sure. activating. And you just, you need to, you need to have both of those in your strength program. Yeah. And you just really need to look at the running stride and break it down. And then specifically break down the portions of a running gate and work those specific movements in isolation Mm. under load, maybe on an unstable surface or balancing or in some way that's going to challenge your stability Mm -hmm. so that when you strike the ground, you're stable and you're strong and you can strike the ground over and over and over and over for 70 miles a week, over and over and over and not have issues because you've developed a, a strong enough body to be able to withstand that load. And I think what people don't understand is like running is, is very impactful. Like I think when you're, I could be wrong, don't quote me on these stats, but I think when you're jogging it, you're producing three times your, um, three times force of your body weight. 
And when you mm-hmm. turn into that a sprint, it's nine times your body weight of force wow. going into the ground. So if you if you just think about that, like you need to be strong. Well, yes, not raw, raw strength, but you need to be, you have to have like, I always like to call it more durability. And, and with mm-hmm. durability comes having some degree of strength. And the heavier you are, the stronger you need to be. Yeah. Um, you know, you see like people always say, well, so-and-so doesn't do that much strength training. Well, she's 80 pounds. That's why kids get away with it. So yeah, she could produce like, she doesn't, you know, yeah. like it's different when you're an adult, a full grown adult, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, yeah totally. Important. Um, you, you mentioned like the difference between activation exercises and then like loaded exercises. Uh, I think loaded is, you know, kind of self-explanatory, heavy weights, heavy lifting, but um, activation, like, could you give us a audio visual of what that might look like? Yeah. So, so basically the sort of overall theme in, in, in running um, injury free is you really need your, your glutes to be working. And, and people talk about their glutes all the time and mm-hmm. specific, I mean, I think mostly like the glute meat is one that really sometimes just does not turn on. So the whole point of activation exercises are to to isolate that muscle and kind of get it working so that the idea is if you're doing, if you are doing this before you go out for a run, it's like you're waking your glutes up. And then when you then go for a run or then go do your lift, they're already turned on that they're able to do, they're awake, they're turned on and they'll actually be able to do the, 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 what, what you're asking it to do by using those muscles instead of relying off the other muscles, hamstrings, quads, you know, calves to do the work. And those muscles aren't designed to do that amount of like work, basically. Um, your glute is the biggest muscle. It's the most powerful muscle. So it makes sense that you just give all the work to it, let it do that. And your other muscles should be supporting it. But most people have it the other way. A lot of people have it the other way around. That's why Mm. you hear people say, oh, they're quad dominant. What they're really saying is they don't know how to turn on their glutes. Um, because no one is naturally going to be quad dominant. No, every like naturally we're designed to use the most powerful, mm-hmm. um, you know, parts of our body to propel us forward. Yeah. That just makes no sense. So activation before you lift or before you run, how, yeah. like, h- how do you turn on the glute? What's yeah, an exercise so like, to do that? Like, um, I like it. And this is like where you really need to play around. And like, I would encourage everyone is going to, everyone's going to go to a strength coach or go to a, PT, Cairo, like whatever, um, and get activation, glute activation exercises. And there's so many different ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them aren't going to work for people just because of the way maybe your hips are or the way your body's positioned or, or just the way where everyone's just different. So I think like go through all those exercises, find out which ones you feel a burn in your glute mm. and just focus on those ones. Cause those ones are working best for you. So for me, the one that I get like a really good quick burn and it turns on my glutes like really rapidly is just lateral band walks. Um, so with like a mini bound around my knees and around my ankles, um, those work really well. Clamshells, like people always do clamshells. I like cannot like find my glute in a clamshell. So I don't do that exercise. So, um, yeah, it, it's all kind of very individual. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to isolate the muscle and really get a little burn in it just so you're like, okay, it's awake. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know I 
you know, in preparation for this interview, I listened to many of your other interviews and you, you had mentioned in one briefly that, uh, you used to be a, a runner that didn't stretch, didn't do any mobility, uh, until one day you um, started a mobility kind of program and you noticed a big difference. Do you remember when that was and, and how that kind of came about? Yeah. Um, it's like, I feel like I haven't been doing that much mobility my whole career because um, I haven't really seen my lack of not doing mobility, like really impede my ability to train or my ability mm-hmm. to race well. Um, but I had like two, like one race where it was like that eight foot box and like I pulled myself up, but I couldn't get my leg over because my hip was so tight that I didn't mm. have like the fluidity or the range of motion or my hips were just so locked up that I couldn't swing my leg over and I actually failed that obstacle that along with like having like getting no repped at high rocks for not being able to get to 90 degrees mm. for the wall balls like those were two instances that I was like oh my god like okay it's obvious that my lack of mobility is like really messing up with my training yeah. or with my with my races um and to be honest like I mean I've put in mobility for the last like couple years of my training, but it's been really, really inconsistent. Um, though I've been doing it very consistently now just because the world is shut down and I have a bit more time, mm-hmm. but it's always the first thing to go. And I feel really guilty about saying this, but it is. Um, yeah. And I do find that now that I have a bit more time, I have been doing yoga twice a week um, and I would never have time to do yoga twice a week, like add that onto my training yeah. and onto my business and onto my social life. It's just like, no, it's not going to work. But now that, you know, things are slower, um, mm-hmm. I do feel way, way better. Um, the one thing I've really noticed is when I get up in the morning, my feet don't hurt. My feet used to hurt so, so mm-hmm. much. And I think it's just because I like your arches or are just the bottoms. They would just like my whole foot would be so sore. Um, and I think just from doing a bit of mobility, um, I've just sort of loosened, loosened up like everything in my body. And somehow mm-hmm. that sort of trickled its way down to like having healthier, like less yeah. sore feet. So yeah, it does make a difference. Um, I mean, I haven't raced with like, I, I feel really healthy and mobile right now. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really had a chance to race with this like new body of mine, but yeah. um, a date like daily activities of living, like I feel a huge difference. Like I used to have like such sore shoulders that if I was like, you know, driving a car and like reach back to the back seat. Like I'd have to be like, can you pass me this? Like I couldn't even rotate my arm and mm-hmm. my thoracic spine was so locked up. Um, so I just feel more comfortable in general, but I mean, it's definitely got to, um, got to, um, you know, translate to better performances racing too, but sure. yeah. And, um, I'm not blaming you for mobility being the first to go. Cause it's always the first to go for me too. Cause it's like, it's, it's that extra like 5%, right? You yeah. know, your 95% is your strength and your running. And then anything else you get in is like the icing on top. And totally. when you're, when you're stuck in between meetings or, you know, you have a busy life and yeah, Billy's like, oh, I got 10 minutes of this. No, thank you. you I know, know. <laughs> I know. Totally. Yeah. Um, cool. So let's talk about like tapering. Um, 
your, your approach to a big race. And I, I know like with the Spartan series, you have multiple races throughout the year that are, um, you know, relatively a big deal. So like, how do you go about structuring some time to freshen up and, and feel good for those big races? Yeah. I love tapering so much just cause I can like actually have time to like wake up and have a cup of coffee mm-hmm. and not be so rushed. <laughs> like, I don't know people say they don't like tapering. I'm like, I love tapering. Like there's a lot of things I actually like to do other than working out that like I get a chance to do when I'm tapering. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, we did a podcast on tapering, um, actually yesterday. And oh, nice. um, I was saying to Jess, I was like, I make a taper list. And she's like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, like a taper to do list, like all the spot stuff that I wanted to do that I never have time to do in regular life. I get into yeah. that my week of tapering. So, um, I think for me, like tapering, like obviously it's going to make your legs feel fresher. Um, but for me, it's more of just like a mental, mm-hmm. it, it basically, I think that like, just, I think running is so hard, like mentally, I mean, it hurts so much. And mm-hmm. like, I think people don't understand that like us pros, like we're in just as much pain as you. Like, it's not like running gets easier. You just get faster and then it yeah. still hurts. Um, you just <laughs> exactly. run at a faster speed <laughs> or you run faster and then you have to run faster and longer. And then it really starts to hurt even more. Yeah. So it's very painful. And you're constantly pushing yourself every day, whether that's in a long run or whether that's trying to hit pace and in intervals. Mm-hmm. And that takes like a lot of like mental grit and toughness. Yeah. And if you don't like the taper for me is like, I get a week or 10 days to like not feel that intense pain. And so then I like, I like hold on to that and I start to crave it because I've been without it. And then I kind of, kind of unleash it on race day. So I find the more I taper the tougher I am on race day, because I'm not, it's not just like, okay, we're going to the well again. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're putting ourselves in pain again. It's like, Oh my God, I haven't been uncomfortable for 10 days. Like I'm kind of craving a little discomfort. Um, So for me, it's, it's more about, saving up the ability to really, really push um, in a race. If you stick around and listen to enough of our episodes here on the Science of Sports Recovery podcast, you'll notice a common theme of importance of mobility in recovery and injury prevention. That's why I recommend checking out the Ready States Virtual Mobility Coach to help you improve your mobility, recoverability, and injury prevention. The Ready State is a brainchild of coach and athlete Dr. Kelly Starrett, who you can learn more about on episode 13. His Virtual Mobility Coach program helps athletes understand the importance of recovery, pain relief, and self-care. In other words, it helps fix the recovery side of training so you can keep seeing results from your workouts. His program will guide you through the same mobilizations used on athletes in the NFL, NHL, and MLB. Provide custom tools for pain relief, give you customized pre and post exercise mobilizations based on your training and sports schedule, and deliver daily mobilizations to keep you on track to achieve your goals. You put your heart and soul into your workouts. Make sure you get the most of them by going to the readystate.com slash Jace. Again, that's the readystate.com slash J-A-S-E. The link will also be in the show notes. Now, back to the show. That makes sense. And I, th- I think I would argue that uh, as you get more and more advanced in your athletic career, like the pain gets worse because you're able to 
navigate through the pain you know whereas at the exactly. beginning you're like oh this hurts I'm slowing down and now you're like well this hurts but you know everybody else is keep going so I have to too so yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly um, I know running hurts so much it's so funny to me that I still do it like yeah. every time like it probably happens once a week I'm in the middle of like an interval and I'm like I hate my life like right at this <laughs> moment like I hate my life yeah <laughs> and then yeah. like I get back to my apartment after like a cool down and I'm like oh my god that was so amazing like in that interval like I pushed through and that really powered up that hill and then the cool down I ran into so and so in the park and we had a chat and I just feel so happy because I'm so tired and maybe I should take a nap or yeah. breakfast and you're just <laughs> so annoying and yeah like, I call like, that amnesia like you forgot how horrible it was because at the end you have all your endorphins and it was like oh that was the best thing ever but in the middle of it you're like this is the worst thing ever <laughs> I know I know it's so funny uh cool cool so you are the owner of grit coaching um first of all how long have you and Jess who we interviewed two weeks ago on the podcast um how long have you guys been partners in grit coaching um, we started the business in 2017. Yeah. So okay. I guess like, I thought is that three, four years, three and a half, at least three and a half. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Time flies. Um, so how do you balance being an athlete and entrepreneur? And is that different than when you were an athlete and, um, an employee? Yeah, because when I was an athlete and an employee, I didn't really care about my performance at work mm -hmm. because like no one was really checking it. I just had to like show up, like do some shit. Mm -hmm. And then like at four 30, I would just leave exactly. and I would forget about work. And that was how my job was. So, um, it wasn't, it was actually easier in a weird way. Um, because I didn't have this like deep, like passion for it and I didn't care mm -hmm. about it now with like being a business owner. And now with like working with so many athletes that I actually really care about, um, there's pressure like on both ends. Um, mm -hmm. but I just think, I think like you got to let go of like being a perfectionist, like a, being a perfectionist on both of those things. It's like, yeah. I'm not always going to get back to my athletes in 24 hours. Like sometimes, you know, I'm going to be a late on an email and like, I'm not always going to get exactly 10 miles in that I had on my training thing because sometimes work comes up and I'm, you know, eight and whatever. So I think, yeah. and I think just like letting go of like, being okay with just it be, being okay with being like enough is enough and letting go of like even just things like I'm never gonna my apartment is never gonna be clean my bed's not gonna be made I just don't have that much time in a day to do those things mm -hmm. um and just being okay with like not being like oh my life's a mess because I can't do everything exactly perfectly as I had planned you're just like ah I made it 80 percent is is where I am because you know you're just doing so many different things. I just sort of say letting go is like is like really important. Mm -hmm. Um you're trying to do be fairly high level at a couple things. Yeah. Um yeah, and I think just there's a lot of opportunities for efficiencies that every day I'm like finding out a quicker way to do something. Sure. Um and that's that's important as well. Yeah. Do you, are there certain things that you have to prioritize otherwise like they don't get done when it comes to um, recovery for, from your workouts? Cause obviously if you're working out at a high level um, there's, I mean, you can't 
get by on four hours of sleep for too long, you know? Um, so are there any things like sleep or, or, um, pra recovery practices that you prioritize through your life? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I always prioritize sleep is like so important. Like that's the number one recovery tool is sleep. Mm -hmm. So I put that like first and foremost, um, and that's like, honestly, like the only really recovery thing that I like really religious about is like sleep. Yeah. Um, so how, how's your sleep routine then? Like when oh, it's it, like bed so every same time, wake up same time or. Yeah. It's been a lot easier now because like, like I said, I like to have a good time. And like, sometimes like when restaurants and bars are open, like sure. that kind of slides. So like right now it's been really easy. Um, but I am having difficult sleeping now. And I don't know why I think it's cause like I'm in my apartment so much that like mm. my body's like confused. It's like, shouldn't we be out about doing things? And maybe I'm not <laughs> as tired because I'm just like in this like apartment all day, sure. but no, I just like, I mean, I have like a certain like sleep routine. Like I like to turn off the TV. I turn off my phone. So I don't have all this like light and I try and remove myself from like stressful situations. So mm. I try not to open my email or even open Instagram and, I try and have like one to two glasses of wine to help me sleep, but I won't have less than that. I won't have more than that because then it impedes my sleep. Mm -hmm. And I do the melatonin. I do the CBD. I've got the blackout shades. I like have my blue blocking glasses. Like I just, it, it's like a struggle to turn my mind off. Um, sure. I have this like weird uh, uh, like obsession that like I'll sleep and I'll have all these ideas in my head and I have a pad of paper and I'll write them down beside my bed, like in the middle mm -hmm. of the night and I'll wake up in the morning and I have like a huge list of my ideas and like 75% of them are just so stupid. Like I oh, can't, yeah. that's what's keeping me up. <laughs> like it would be like text back so-and-so to set up this. And I'm like, why would that be keeping me up? Like that's such yeah. a dumb thing. Like, um, so I'm still trying to figure out like, how to like turn off my brain at night. And I haven't really mm. figured that out, but sleep is so important. That's for sure. Do you journal at all? Uh, yeah, I do a little bit. Um, not so much lately. I've just been like busy and I feel like I have like nothing to journal about with the way the world is <laughs> like another day, like working on my computer, running in the park, like nothing happened. Great. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What, but. what I, typically fine for me is like if I have my to-do list for tomorrow done you know the night prior then I can sleep a lot better because then I'm not worried about like oh I do have to text so-and-so or or what right. you um but no I I totally get your like I think I have my best ideas at night right before I go to bed and I'm like oh, that's a good idea. And then you're like trying to expand on it and then oh, yeah. you write it down. And then in the morning, you're like, that was a stupid idea. Like, <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, why don't you do this like during the day? Like, or like, yeah, I don't know why like brains like come alive at night. Um, yeah. yeah. Totally so. get it. <laughs> uh, cool. So, so what, like, who is grit coaching for? Uh, what are you guys about and what, what are you up to? Um, yeah. So initially, like we were like, okay, we're going to, you know, help a bunch of racers out. Um, so naturally because of like, I guess who I am, we had a whole bunch of obstacle racers and mm. now we have a bunch of runners because obviously I'm partnered with a psycho runner. 
Um, um, but yeah, now like the way, I mean, we're thinking about it, like, I mean, it would be good for anyone because I I really think that like an obstacle racer, like how they train is just like a holistic training program for like Mm -hmm. anyone, even if they don't race, like you do a little bit of cardio, you do a little bit of strength, you do some skill work, like you do some athletic movements, like anyone that wants to be better at obstacle racing, better at just running um, better at like cross training for a, even a different sport, like in the off season, whether they play soccer and they're just mm-hmm. looking to stay in shape in the off season, but also just for people that like, um, because it's such a well-balanced program, like being an obstacle racer and training for it, it it's like great just for general fitness and for mm-hmm. weight loss and for just, I mean, really anyone, um, yeah. So we don't have any, like, you need to be, you don't definitely don't need to be a racer to sign up for grit coaching. You just need to want to train in a way that's like, um, it's kind of like backed up by science. Like I would say like, you want to train like someone who wants to be a proficient runner, but also like strong enough to be able to like squat their body weight and like mm-hmm. do some push-ups and do some pull-ups. Like it is like training, like an athlete will always give you the best results, even if you're not going to perform and and race Uh, i i think so cool a lot of of the stuff in the gym like it's like so the opposite of how an athlete moves like Mm -hmm. um yeah like i mean all those machines like i think they're great for like rehab and all that stuff i see so many people like on the leg extension machine i'm like what is the point here like i mean i guess like you're working your quad but like you could work your quad in so much more of a dynamic way that actually like looks like a way a human is supposed to move yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay totally i when i got out of college i was like okay i have my cardio you know but i was kind of sick of cardio and what actually got me into um obstacle course racing was just the way you were able to train it was like totally oh I can be actually strong up top and like have cardio and then like be good at a sport like that's kind of cool yeah Uh, like because I saw um when I got done with running I could do like 10 push-ups and I was sore for a week and (laughs) I remember you saying this (laughs) uh, but what like triggered like this isn't okay was I saw this like little video on on social media of this dad like lifting his child up on the wall to like and the child was dressed in the spider-man suit and he was like like he was scaling the wall like spider-man or whatever it's like well someday I want to be able to like lift my kid and do more (laughs) than 10 push-ups you know (laughs) so I was like yeah I should probably start doing some sort of strength and then I was like well that's gonna hurt running but then I was like oh well let's do a different sport so yeah exactly 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 no that's why it's so yeah that's why I love the sport so much is because you get to be a well-rounded athlete for Mm -hmm. sure like in running like yeah you're right like if you strength train your body too much in running like yeah it'll slow you down like I don't think Jessica like I don't think Jessica's ever done bench press in her life <laughs> like she would be terrified like of doing that because it's yeah. like that you know putting on like some her growing some larger pec muscles is definitely gonna slow her down like it just so yeah. I I'm, I don't miss that about running it was just so it was just such like this specific like very you couldn't go outside these lines and it was it was challenging because there's just, it just limits your way that you can move and do things. So. Yeah. 
Cool. Cool. So I have some questions here from the audience. Um, I, I throw out an email and be like, okay, I'm interviewing Faye Stenning, the Faye Stenning. What do you want to know from her uh, and stuff? So we have a, a couple specific questions for you that, um, you know, two minutes or less to, to answer. But the first one is like, how do you train for trail races in a city like New York? Yeah. So when I first moved here, that was like my biggest concern. Um, so I would like take the subway like an hour, an hour and a half, like each way, then go run mm. trails and then take the subway back. Um, and that was like, okay. But it just like, it got to a point, like it was just, again, taking over my whole day and I was having to like work late at night and then I wasn't sleeping that much. And I just realized like, I'm just not going to have access to trails. I'm going to have to work around this. I don't have mm -hmm. the time to be able to commute every day to them. So, um, yeah, I just looked, I broke down like, okay, like what is it about trail racing that's different from being on the road? Well, the elevation for one point. So, okay. Well, how does that change the way you need to, what you need sure. to do in the gym or running? And it's like, well, you just need to be a little bit stronger because there is more of a muscular demand when you're running up a hill than running on a flat road. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just like started becoming like obsessed with like doing a whole bunch of variations of lunges and step ups and, um, pushing the sled actually, like I found is like the one thing that actually feels like a hill sprint. Like if you've ever loaded up a sled and pushes it, it feels like depending if, you know, if it's a really long hill, you're getting ready for like Tahoe climbing to the top of that mountain, you just like mm -hmm. load it up and like push it really slow and heavy for minutes and minutes. But if it's like, you're just looking on power, you could do short spunky pushes, but I basically just made hills in the weight room. Um, instead of using a hill, I just sure. used load, um, but made sure that I was always doing single leg movements that mm -hmm. looked as similar as I could to powering up a hill. Um, the bike became my friend too. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, like the only really thing that is, and then, you know, you just get you just get so fit enough on the road that it just transfers to the trails because you have so much speed. The road speed mm -hmm. is going to transfer to the trail speed. So I just focused on, I always think like, I always say like speed kills. So if you can just get your raw speed up, yeah. then like you, you can beat the majority of people. Like, but the, the area that I am still losing tons of time to is, is the technical, um, Sure. And I, and so my only solution to that is like, I just cross my fingers and like pray that the races, they're not going to put us through the woods and through the bushwhacking and through all that like junky crap. And they've actually gotten better as the years have gotten on. Mm. They haven't like been using such, such technical terrain, because I think a lot of people are rolling ankles and having crazy injuries because sure. a lot of people don't know how to move through that stuff unless you practice it. And a lot of yeah. people are in cities. So It'll, it'll stop, uh, it'll stop you in your tracks. You come to like, Oh crap. Like I have to yeah. basically walk through this. <laughs> totally. And I'll be completely honest. I have been puzzled for years, about how to train that in a gym. And I've tried everything from like single leg hops to kind of work on reactive time and, and bounciness. I've tried, um, different patterns on those like ladders, like those agility mm. ladders to work on like hand-eye coordination or like feet agility with your feet and just yep. like moving faster and, and throwing your, your mind like, Oh, left here, right here, two hops here, one hop here, just to sort yeah. of train that movement. And nothing has, everything's just a waste of time. Like nothing has translated to the trails yeah. except for being on the trails. So yeah. it's just my thing. I'm just never going to, that's going to be just always a weakness because sure. I just can't work on it. So, yeah. 
Cool. Uh, okay. So next question from the audience is how do you get better at suffering? You're kind of, you're known as like the grinder. Uh, so how do you get into like that mindset to just go out there and suffer fast? Um, I think like you got to practice it in like training. Um, I think that's the number one thing. It's like, yeah, you got to practice like doing some hard workouts and like pushing through them just so then when it happens in a race, you're like, I, I are not shocked. Your system isn't like, what is this discomfort? You're like, oh yeah, I was here 10 days ago when I was doing five by a mile and like completely blew up at mile three and just sucked it up and hung on for the last two repeats. Like at some point I was actually just talking to my girlfriend, like about this this morning when we were running, she was telling me the story about like, she's like a, a good runner, like 250 marathoner. And mm. she was saying, like, telling me about like, oh, like last year, she was trying to go to the, um, get the Olympic trials qualifier. So anyway, she was telling me that this one race, that race that she was trying to get it, she like completely blew up and she didn't think she was going to be able to finish the race, but she like pushed through. She was completely miserable, like on the verge of dropping out, like puking, like just, just everything was a mess. Right. And she says after that point, she's just got like a lot stronger, like everything she became like tougher. And I think that that's almost like what you have to do. I think a lot of people haven't actually hit like their critical pain tolerance because they've Mm -hmm. never pushed themselves that hard. But the people that have gone out and like completely shit the bed in a race or gone out too hard and like really mentally struggled to get through that finish line. Um, like after that experience, you kind of realize like, okay, that's the worst. That is, that's the worst that you can, if that's the worst thing that's going to happen in a race and you were to Mm -hmm. be able to like suffer through it and endure it, like you, you shouldn't be so afraid of of the discomfort. Like people Mm -hmm. are so afraid of the pain and I get nervous for races, like not really because of placement, because like, I'm just like, Oh, I don't want to feel this uncomfortable. Like I get nervous (laughs) for the pain and that's like, I'm used to it. So I think that people just in some sense need to just go out there one day, hammer the crap out of a run, mm-hmm. be uncomfortable, push through it, and then work back from there. Realize like, it's not so bad. You'll be okay. And it's totally trainable. Um, so so, totally. Yeah. so work on it. Like that's, that's, I work on it in my tempo runs. I hate tempo runs, but I'm always <laughs> like, oh, this is like, this is what, you know, this is hard kind of mental yeah. toughness training. I love tempo runs, but I hate, uh, like tempo runs broken up by obstacles. <laughs> so like, I, like a race. <laughs> yeah. Like a race. Um, so yeah. I, I have, especially like pull-ups. So like I'll, I have this half mile loop that I'll do by my house. It'll be a half mile, come back, do 10 pull-ups and then go right back out and, uh, like running after doing 10 pull-ups is miserable because your arms are like, you don't, they don't work, especially if you yeah. do this, like, you know, 10 or 12 times and like, you're just like, Oh, yuck, yuck, yeah. yuck, yuck. Um, cool. And then if you're listening, you want more information on like suffering. Uh, I actually interviewed Hans, um, uh, Olympic rower back in episode 12. You can go check that out. Um, we talked about entering the pain cave is what he called it. So, yeah. Oh, uh, it's one thing I will say about that yeah. is like, you have to, and I was, I was pacing my girlfriend through a tempo run, um, on last Monday and, mm-hmm. 
I was just like, she was like starting to suffer. And I was just like, you got to just zone out. Like you, at some point, like you got to like disconnect like your body and like what you're actually doing. Like so many times, like why people stop running, it's like a protective mechanism. Like it's like, oh yeah, yeah, of course your body wants to stop running. Like you're literally producing like lactic acid. Like your heart rate is higher than it probably should be. Like your body is like, let's stop, let's slow down. So if you can like just shut your, like I literally told her, I was like, turn off your brain zone out. If you can just, Mm -hmm. just go somewhere where you're like almost like a little bit unconscious um, and just get it done um, one foot in front of the other, that's so much better than analyzing like and people, I think, have a mistake because they love watching their watch and all the stats and they're just mm. like geek out and analyze. Like, you don't want to know what your body's doing. It's yeah. not good. So just don't look at that watch and just like go for it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I had yeah. this conversation with some uh, someone I mentor uh, in the mile, like for the mile race, like there's so many, like you can go out slow, you can go out fast and it just kind of depends on you know what crowd you're running in but at the end of the day i told him like you're not racing the clock you're racing people you know so like why pay attention to your first 400 split your first 800 split right you know because everybody else went through the same thing as long as you're with the crowd like the only thing you're going to do by listening to that is freak yourself out because you ran too fast or freak yourself out because you ran too slow (laughs) right 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 and that's so true and like people who are highly competitive I think just have naturally a higher pain tolerance because Mm. they're like so unwilling like even if they're not fit enough like I like I gotta call Hunter out on this. Like I don't think Hunter's ever been like fit enough to like compete against like Ryan Atkins and Robert Killian, just from pure running standpoint. Yeah. But I think that guy can put himself in more pain and discomfort than them. And I think it's just because like he can't lose. Like he has so competitive. That, like totally. he doesn't care if he's like in shape to run like you know a. a maybe he's just in shape to run like a 34 minute 10 K he'll run a 32 minute 10 K that day, because mm-hmm. if that's what's required of him to win, he has to win. Cause he's that crazy and competitive and, and then he'll just do it. And sometimes I feel like I can, um, I can pull something out of my ass. That's like nowhere near the fitness level that I am just mm-hmm. because I'm kind of reckless. I'm like, I'll just like go out with the leaders. Yeah, and totally. <laughs> sometimes, you know, that doesn't, serve me well but I'm like whatever is there really any other way to race it's like you're here to yeah go for it like I'd rather do that and blow up than like have one of those races which like a lot of um I work with my athletes a lot of time to not have these races mm-hmm. where then where you see like people like the last half mile they're like sprinting in it's like their fastest it's like yeah. their half mile and then they like finish and they're like I think I could have went a little harder I was like I've never said that in my life. Yeah. <laughs> the only time that happens for me is if I'm winning. Like yeah, if, yeah. if the last half mile is because I'm out sprinting somebody else for the win and I just sat yeah. on them the whole time. Yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, yeah, we could talk about suffering all day. I but know. Um, I, last question here from the audience. I know we need to wrap up here, but um million dollar mile you were on that show uh the canadian crusher i believe was your your Mm -hmm. take name how like what was your experience there they're just curious to know a little bit behind the scenes on 
Uh, oh, that. yeah, it was awesome. It was like, well, we were filming in Hollywood. We filmed like late at night, like mm-hmm. in the dark. Um, it was like, you know, one, like it was, it was like, we kind of knew the obstacles. Like it was a lot of learning new skills, like on the fly. Mm-hmm. I was scared because like, I didn't trust the auto belay. So like I had to work with like the oh. belay guys, like they had to pull me aside and like, I got like put in the corner basically. And they're like, and I had to like jump off a ladder and like, just get used to like it catching me. Like there was a lot of fear elements. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm like, who are these? Where are the engineers? Like, is everything safe? Who safety tested this? Where's your, like, I was like psycho about all the, yeah. I, I realized like, I'm just like, I'm like, just not really, I, I had fun with the whole TV experience and I would definitely do it again. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was my, I, I don't know really what to say about it other than it was like a total blast. We all bonded, like the group that they had it, that were sure. the defenders, the 10 of us, we had a complete blast. Um, and then the people that they brought on the show, it was crazy to see, I mean, not to toot our own horns, but it was crazy to see like how good of shape, like we actually are like to give someone a two minute yeah. head start in a mile. And then I'm like catching them like that quickly like yeah within I mean, a half mile <laughs> in a half mile it's like oh wow I'm like a fantastic athlete but yet if you and we would have had like an elite level like if we would have had Kipchoge on and he could have probably chased us all down too so it's all mm-hmm. it's all relative but just it was really evident there's just different levels of of fitness for sure yeah I I found it fascinating how like they talk up the uh runner you know they're like yeah he owns this gym or what have you like been training yeah. for this and then they you know i forget how they said go but they go and then you see their running form and you're like oh you're gonna get i know <laughs> i know there's so so many people are gym fit like so many people mm-hmm. are gym fit and it doesn't like translate that well to like sports yeah or they go out way too fast and you're like you're dead after the second obstacle. Oh, it was so funny. Like all this pandemic, like um, all the gym guys, like obviously in New York city, like couldn't mm-hmm. go to the gym. So I started seeing all of them come out to central park and there's this one hill. It's about 400 meter hill. So it's uh, it up incline. So it takes about 90 seconds if you're sprinting it to the top mm-hmm. and all the gym guys, like big puffy guys would come out and they would be on this hill, re- like repping it out during the pandemic. And I just looked at them and I was like, 90 seconds for you guys is like a, is like a five miles for me. Like you cannot all out sprint 90 seconds. Like, and they would just tie yeah. up in like 20 seconds. Cause they are just, they look like you same bolt. They've got like those like <laughs> hands that are like razors and they're like pr- powering. Like, yeah. and it was so funny to watch. I was like that guy, I know he goes to the gym and I know he does like 10 sets of like 10 second sprints on the, treadmill and then goes as a bunch of bench press and like you're in for a treat when you hit that 90 second hill like that's gonna rock you it's just so yeah. funny to watch <laughs> uh that's awesome so any any um inklings of there'll be a second season of million dollar mile or is no it awesome? i don't think so yeah we haven't heard anything from them so i don't think the ratings did that well which is yeah. so sad because i had so much fun i would totally do it again yeah um but no, my TV days are maybe over. Shoot. I got asked to do this one. It was like this show that's coming out. Um, it's like a mix between American Ninja Warrior and like Big Brother. 
Um, Interesting. So yeah, I'm like waiting for them to like set up an interview with me because I'm like, oh, that kind of sounds like so cool because um, I don't know. Like, sounds like kind of fun. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it would fit your personality. Yeah, sounds fun. So. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, if you need more Faye Stenning in your life, be sure to check her out on Instagram. It's Faye Stenning underscore OCR. Um, you can also check out her business at grit underscore coaching and website gritcoaching.net. Um, Faye, any last words that you have for the audience or, or what? where you want them to connect with you. Um, no, yeah, no, no, no further things. It was nice chatting with you. And yeah, if you guys have any training questions, like easiest way is just to go to our grit coaching Instagram page and I'm happy to help you guys out. We're, uh, we're still taking a few more clients as well. So awesome. And that Spartan race is just around the corner in Florida. It might be too late to get us ready for that, but I'm happy to help in any way. Yeah. So cool. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll have all the links in the show notes. So go check those, those out. But uh, Faye, it was great having you on. Yeah, thank you. You too. All right. Episode's over. If you found value in this episode, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. And if you haven't already yet subscribed, do so now so you don't miss any important topics in the coming week. And if you have any questions or suggestions for the show, please send them my way. I am most responsive on Instagram. That's at jcheese, J-A-E, cheese, like the food, or email me directly at jace, J-A-S-E, at science of sportsrecovery.com. Talk soon.